Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host Hattie Butterworth. I'm a cellist and writer in my final year at the Royal College of Music in London, and I think we need a new way of talking. I've spent many, many years feeling in the dark about issues in the classical music profession. So often it can feel like you're the only person struggling with anxiety, depression, career doubts, money, injuries, and so much more. Who do we go to when we feel we've had enough, for whatever reason? Join me and guests as we end the stigma with honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hello everybody, welcome back. Um, I hope you're all really well and managing okay with what feels like an awful lot of change all the time. Is it just me or are things constantly changing? But it's lovely to see that people are back performing again in different ways and I really hope you're all enjoying having a nice summer whatever that might be. So today I'm talking to Laura Armstrong who is a cellist and she previously studied at the Royal Academy of Music in London and I've known Laura for a few years um, because we were at Cheatham's School of Music together. Um, So last October Laura was actually involved in an accident that changed the course of her life as a cellist, sort of overnight. And today I'm talking to her about the accident and what it's meant. Um, We speak about the rehabilitation process and the support she's received from friends and doctors and teachers. We also talk about grief and how asking for support is easier in a physical health crisis rather than in a time of mental stress. So I really hope this episode resonates with you and thank you for all your support with the podcast so far. Please do keep sending your messages, your advice, your stories. I love hearing from you all and yeah, I'm trying to um, grow the community as much as I can. I've been enjoying writing blogs as well if you like to follow my blog. Um, It's online on my website at hattiebutterworth.co.uk and you can find it there. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and the podcast Instagram is at TMDTA podcast. So without further ado, let's introduce Laura and get on with the podcast. Hello, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I just thought I'd ask, first of all, how's the last few months been for you? Hi, um, it's been it's been okay. Um, well, it's quite unusual time, isn't it? So just been trying to work out a way to kind of find a routine. Yeah. Um, I guess again, used to being in my own company a lot, which is new. How yeah. has it been for you? Has it been away? Yeah, it's been um, a lot of ups and downs and getting used to things that I wouldn't wasn't expecting to get used to. And you know, some things were easier, some things are more difficult. So it's just so strange. But I thought I'd start by just telling everyone how we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Laura when she showed me around Cheatham School of Music. And I'll never forget. And you just had the most lovely way of showing me around and making me feel like this was the place I wanted to be. And it was, you're just so like kind and lovely and honest. And yeah, I don't think I ever said that to you, but I just want to say now, yeah. you know, thank you for <laughs> oh, being I'm so lovely. Right. So then you went on to be head girl um, at yeah. Cheatham's and you're in the year above me. And yeah, it's just, you're always there, always so supportive. And I think a lot of people will agree if they know you that you just, yeah, you're such a lovely, supportive person. So anyway, um, 
Today, Laura is going to talk to us a bit about her experience with an injury. And I was just wondering, Laura, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, what you're doing at the moment and how your injury um, began. Sure. Um, well, at the moment, I'm just starting to practice again and get used to playing. It's been a long time. It's been eight months since I had an accident where I um, was run over by a lorry um, when I was cycling. So it wasn't the best morning of my life. But it was. I had like a, quite a lot of surgeries. I had an emergency surgery straight away um, to reattach my arm and then another 17-hour surgery the day after with 12 amazing surgeons, which seemed like quite a lot to me. But so that was all not what I was expecting from this year. Um, and that happened in October when I just, it was like my third week at, as a master's student at the Royal College of Music. It's been an unusual time, but before that I went to academy for, to do my undergrad and um, learned with Ben Hughes and Felix Schmidt. Before that, like Hattie said, I was at chess. I mean, during your undergrad, I was always seeing you doing some exciting project, whether it was with a singer or with a sort of folk band and, you know, and with your piano trio. So you're such a sort of entrepreneurial person. And so I'm just wondering, you always seem to be creating such incredible projects. How did it feel then to have such a horrifying experience like that? I mean, I can't imagine anything worse to realize has just happened to you you know so how did that feel to have your whole musical world just stopped it was at first it felt like the worst thing that I the possibility of never being able to play again was pretty bad um but I think with hindsight it's given me more room to really understand that I what I want to do is music and there's nothing else that I want to do I'm I've done some worked in the nursery for a few months and it's been good to like do some other things and explore how other people live their lives because our job is quite unusual in the sense that we do spend so much time in a practice room and spend so much time working alone and mentally training ourselves so to experience a bit more normal life has been quite useful I think for like getting back into it and I was just wondering um when the accident happened and the sort of days and weeks after the initial event, what were the doctors telling you? I mean, were they saying there's a possibility you might never play again or was it still very unknown? Um, there was, it was very possible that I wouldn't play again because I couldn't, I severed my, one of my nerves and there's three nerves which control our hands um, mm. and I'd completely severed one of those. So I couldn't move my thumb, first or second finger at all. And I had no feeling in those fingers as well. And on top of that, I'd had a fracture in the top of my arm, which took two plates. So they needed to know whether that would heal. But, and I think I kind of knew that as soon as it happened, because I had to, when I woke up after the accident, um, I couldn't move my fingers like at all. And that kind of, that was a shock, but they were amazing, like managing to put me back together again. (laughs) which is, I've never been more thankful for the NHS. But um, I think having really positive physiotherapists has really helped actually having that support and also just friends who told me that it didn't matter if I couldn't play. Because you don't, I didn't think I really realised like how much playing and playing the cello is 
I'd associated like my entire life with it and it was me completely. So then having that taken away was kind of a shock. Um, so having people say that it was okay and I could, they still wanted to, you know, and they like spend time with me and for the person I was I hadn't realized how much I'd put my personality into my instrument yeah no that makes total sense because I think I mean even the injury I suffered um at Cheatham's which was really short term I think for me and for a lot of people listening will agree that just the thought of not being able to play again or play not being able to play at full capacity you then realize through those emotions how much you are attached to it and how much your worth is determined by your playing and your performing and the <laughs> message you send to people through your instrument um yeah and I I was just wondering if you could talk a bit ma- a bit more about sort of what was the emotional impact of the injury on you how long did it take for you to kind of get over the initial shock and realize and come 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 to peace with the fact that you might not play again how long did that process take well I spent my first two weeks in intensive care and during that time it sounds strange but the focus of playing disappeared when it first happened I was definitely like I have to play again but during my two weeks there the realistic side of it was that I very nearly had my arm amputated so that being in that environment with really supportive nurses I kind of went through a stage of being like incredible feeling incredibly lucky that I had an arm at all mm-hmm. and then the second stage was then like oh okay I need to come to terms with what I look like now which is a bit different and how that changes my everyday life and then after that I kind of worked out about the feeling that I couldn't play was more when I got home which was after three weeks in hospital Mm, so yeah. I think like probably like a month a month and a half but doing other another job in January really helped me like come to terms with the fact that I I can do other things yeah. <laughs> despite being trained to do one thing my entire life pretty much because I I have a vague memory I really hope I haven't got you confused with somebody else but I seem to remember that you told me I think it was even on my tour of Cheatham's you said mm. that you had originally planned to be a doctor and taken that yeah is that is that true <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right yeah and then you kind of made the decision a bit later on and then redid your a-levels or something or did a few years extra at Cheetahs yeah. or did another yeah um so it's sort of like you entered into the musical world for what five years really intensely and then it must have felt like god I made such a huge choice to become a musician now this is gone again you know, I mean, how how was that finding the thing you wanted to do and then it being cut off, you know, even after you've probably been through a lot of um, questioning with the whole medicine thing as well? Mm. I think it was like when I decided to do music, it was really just it felt so much like the thing that I was supposed to be doing um, when I was younger. And I made that decision when I was like 16. So I took an extra year at Chet's um, basically to practice, which was a really good decision me then and I think the fact that I'd never really wanted to do anything from that point onwards when I'd made the decision it was a shock to then be like I wonder what I should do now (laughs) but it was nice to have had like an early thing when I was at secondary school like having the space to have done other things like I don't know you know you do the 
I don't know, sports or you do art, you do all these other subjects and not being completely focused on it when I was younger has helped this period of my life because I've now, I now know that I can be interested in other things. And I think it probably will make me more balanced going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, <laughs> because it's not the end of the world if you play things wrong, <laughs> you know, and I think I definitely had that thing of like overcompensating for, um, and like really taking things incredibly hard when actually the perspective is that you can be interested in more things and you don't have to have a sole focus to become a musician and yeah. have that as your livelihood. Yeah, I think what I keep thinking is um, what you were saying about your experience in intensive care and how your focus was just, my goodness, I might not have an arm at all. I might not be able to live my life as I did mm-hmm. before. And I suppose, yeah, if you see it like that, music is is not something that actually we need in the sense of getting on with your life day to day. You know, and it's interesting how musicians therefore act as if their instrument, sometimes they act as if their instrument is as important and is as much a part of them as a limb or something. I just Mm. wondered if you had a kind of idea after all this experience of why you think musicians are so attached and why we put so much of our worth on the ability to play an instrument and don't t- tend to look to other things as easily as maybe some other professions do. I think with playing, because we put so much of our lives into it, the time to practice and the emotional the emotion that we put into our playing, it really is an all-encompassing performing in front of an audience it encompasses everything about you, doesn't it? Like your physical ability and your dedication and then a really massive emotional output. Similarly, how, how if I, if you do an exam in something and you don't do so well, it's really difficult. But to hear a critique of your musical voice can be really hard-hitting sometimes mm. because it is this combination of you as an entire person. Yeah, you know what I mean I'm not sure <laughs> no it does I do and and sort of even the ability to detach yourself from your instrument in that way then means that you can feel freer with your yeah. performing I think because if you are so wrapped up in a mark or in an achievement or in sort of the entrance to an uh, institution or or passing an exam in some way if you're so attached to that then it can be so hard to let go in a performance I suppose if you're more whimsical about it, you know, if it doesn't matter to you on the level of life or death, then you have this newborn freedom, I suppose. Is that how you see it? Yes, and I think it's like knowing that you have a choice, like your life is Mm. on a track at the moment, but things happen which you can't control, but then also having the choice of like you're choosing to do music so that you can give to other people and give them it music such an gives such an emotional support to people it's mm. the only way that we can like talk without words really and then having that there if you become very I think it's hard if you do we are encouraged to become very focused on perfection but it's not possible um and if you're managing to communicate something beautiful then you've kind of succeeded which I feel like sometimes we don't always have the most positive experience 
um, yeah. during our musical classical musical education in particular, but other forms as well. But and that can be that can be really hard to like get your head around, especially when you're a bit like when you're younger in the process. And I think a lot of people, if you ask the musician, this is what I'm thinking a lot now is if you ask a musician, what would be your worst case scenario? You know, your experience might be something that someone would mention, you know, having my arm hurt or having the possibility I might never play again. And I just think that that's that's so interesting that that's such a big fear for people because you're clearly showing that it doesn't that you never know. You never know with something like that. An accident might happen. Anything might happen. And it might be all in all the best thing that could have happened to your playing or to your, your yourself in general. Um, and I just was wondering as well whether you, how you could explain like the rehabilitation process with playing again. Uh, when did you start playing again, and how much have you been able to play? And, and what does it and feel like? Like it must be really weird. It's quite strange. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm quite lucky because they they put a nerve graft into my arm, and um, which then your nerve grows down. To, and at the moment I've got to the point where I can actually move my hand again which is great and all my wow. fingers move um, which is very exciting yeah. um, and for that to happen was already a massive head start but basically the way that I've gone about it so far and I'm definitely in the middle of it still the recovery kind of thing um, has been that I would try and make sure that I at least tried to play every two weeks or so just the act of trying and because I knew that it would be hard to try and not succeed every time so I just limited it to trying like once every few weeks and eventually since about two weeks ago I can now like hold a bow and I can't feel my fingers still but I can move them enough to be able to play and enough to be able to have like I had a consultation lesson which was great and hopefully start again at college in January Mm, so what did what did you do in your consultation lesson? How did you explain? Did you explain your situation? And did you play at all? Or was it mainly a conversation? Well, I explained beforehand in email because I felt it would mm. be, it's maybe a little bit unfair to turn up <laughs> to a lesson with a professor and be like, hi, I can't actually play properly. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a good head start. And just to make it clear that I was hoping to kind of move forward with things and that things should improve after this mm. point and then we talked at first which was really good and um, good to get everything explained clearly and all laid out and then played as well um which was really great and he's a very supportive person so that was really great um and I think I was really nervous about it because it was the first time I'd kind of like presented the possibility of playing again to a standard which mm. I want and also a standard which I need to be able to get back to do my master's and that was hard and I hadn't really realized because I kind of thought like from now on whenever I play I'll be just appreciating that I can play the instrument at all I won't be nervous I'm mm. you know, that kind of thing but it's amazing how quickly you can get used to used to being lucky again if you see what I mean yeah goodness me was it really shocking to you the first time you played the cello again? Do you remember the moment where you first tried to play again? How did that feel? Was it upsetting or was it just sort of interesting? It was really, uh, made me very unhappy. Um, 
because I don't have at first and I still I can only bend my arm to 90 degrees at the moment but it's a work in progress um so the first time playing just wasn't playing really um I couldn't hold the bow and I couldn't move my arm at all really and it's really been like by degrees managing to get function back into my elbow um so that was that was pretty hard going but everyone's experience of learning to play is different and it, I think it's okay if the road you have isn't conventional um, yeah but it was difficult it's like that's it's, it feels like a big part of you isn't there anymore mm. which is tricky and, and how did you um, what was the reaction of teachers and your friends when you told them about what happened um, I mean, you mentioned that your friends were incredibly supportive, but what about teachers and what about the Royal College? I mean, that must have been really hard for you to have to say to them, you know, I was about to start this master's, but now no, that that's not happening. You know, what? Um, how did you communicate it? Was it really difficult or...? Um, I've been really lucky with that, I think. Well, as as far as, like, I haven't come... Everyone's just been really keen to hear how it's going and I've had just like I've been able to regularly update people on how it's going in college and I think and also like um my teacher from academy Ben Hughes he's been incredibly supportive and kept in touch um and just been ready to teach me whenever I've wanted as in just to help me get started again so that was amazing and college has been great they've offered alternatives like doing a three-year master's instead of two years, which mm. has been great because um, I might need that time depending on how extra surgeries and things turn out. Yeah. And I think just, but the thing is, I think it's just like really trying to keep open lines of communication because I think it's really hard for them to support us as students if we can't find the, if it feels too hard to communicate exactly what's happened, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Because once you write something down, like once you've told people and you write things down of like something really awful that's happened, it can sometimes bring it home a bit. And it's really important to be able to, even when it feels really hard, like try and keep those emails going. Yeah. Um, and my friends, my friends were just amazing. Um, because it was, my, my flatmates were great. They just were really supportive about everything. And, you know, came to see me in hospital and I'm, my best friend Olivia, she's been great. She's a cellist as well, which I think helped me a lot because she can understand how difficult it would be. And just, I just feel so lucky for the people around me because everyone was there just straight away. I'm, Olivia was actually there like in when I was in, came in in the ambulance and went into my first surgery, emergency surgery. Um, so it was kind of probably quite dramatic for her as well um, yeah, but I think uh, yeah I just like I can't believe how lucky I am with people around and I didn't really expect that as far as like it just seems like quite a lot to ask to when you sign up for living with someone you don't necessarily sign up for them then becoming almost disabled as far as like being able to do things for at least a few months so they, my flatmates were incredible supportive people yeah that's a really good point because I mean I suppose you must have such empathy um as a musician and especially a cellist to be able to watch you know your best friend go through 
something that you could never imagine you having to go through. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that is really probably really traumatic as much for, for them as for you to think you, you know exactly what it would mean not to play. What would it mean, you know, not to have the, the master's year that I'd planned and had all these sort of ideas of, of how your life was going to go. Um, but I was wondering kind of what sustained you through um, through the period of healing and recovering? What, what things did you look to other than music or? I had, um, so my, my dad died in first year, which um, after two years of having a lot of operations and being very unwell. And I think having that example set for me when I was 20, kind of really showed me how brave you could be if you I don't know like with him he just kept trying and he also read a lot and like really delved into a lot of literature when he felt ill because it was something that is something that you can do no matter what happens you can usually hold a book mm-hmm. so for me like a lot of reading really Amazing. was was really kind of an escape from things and reading and I started doing some embroidery which is a bit random um but it was just like anything that felt like uh you could have like small projects and small challenges that you could face and meet which that helped a lot and doing something creative but mostly reading is kind of my thing (laughs) yeah that's that's so lovely because it's something that you know I think a lot of people have all these books they say they're going to read and while I'm talking you know about myself and I suppose you never find the time or you always find a reason why not. What about um, writing? Because you are right-handed, I'm guessing, and your injury is on your right hand. So how's writing been? Have you managed to write with your left hand? Or... Um, yeah, I learned to do that when I was in hospital, actually, because I felt like it was a good first first step. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was, um, I was like, some of my friends brought me um, left-handed pens and like children's writing books to practice um and that was that was really good to get under my belt because otherwise it's just it's another thing that you can't quite manage so mm. that was good to get started with that and it was quite a good challenge now I can yeah. with both hands <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool that's so with the cello did you mm. um do anything with your left hand when your right hand wasn't available or did you just sort of think no I don't really want to do this right now it's too painful or it's too difficult did you just sort of leave it all together or did you do some sort of left hand finger work or anything like that well when I when it first happened I was like you know what I'm gonna come out of this and I'm gonna have the best left hand shape ever it's gonna be great <laughs> I'm gonna be like yeah. a master of some position by the end of however long this takes but I haven't done any of that at all actually um, I just for me I just couldn't really face doing more than my once every couple of weeks yeah because um, everyday life tasks were quite challenging um because I actually had um a skin graft taken from one of my legs so first was really learning to walk again properly was kind of a big one mm. um so doing I kind of focus more on smaller steps as far as getting everyday jobs back to being able to do those because learning to use your left hand was more challenging than I expected as far as everything to like from buttons and zips to yeah. you know, like washing up and it sounds very kind of 
boring stuff but that was already enough of a challenge without me trying to also then become the master of like technique on the channel yeah, yeah I don't know why that kind of crossed my mind I suppose that would but be the thing me as think. well yeah yeah because I don't know why yeah, why should you know. why should you have to keep it going like why should you be expected after such a traumatic thing to happen to you know I suppose everyone would have that pressure on themselves oh well, I can still use my left hand so I can still keep going but it's actually like no the whole body is affected it's a massive mind body traumatic experience you know it's not as easy as just plucking away a bit like uh, yeah yeah that, that must have been strange and I want to ask as well about the period of time you spent working in the nursery did you kind mm. of introduce yourself there as like a sort of new person with sort of a new vision and did you leave the cello kind of out of your mind and think of starting new or how did that work work out for you it was yeah it was interesting um I didn't do it for so long because of um the coronavirus I yeah. <laughs> kind of interrupted that okay but I am um, I actually started off so I I now have well when terms starts again I actually teach ballet as I, I do a ballet class which I teach five-year-olds so it's not anything crazy um but that was kind of part of my nursery job and then another dance school and that was interesting because I could be I actually had to rely on who I was completely without any kind of working towards being a professional cellist mm-hmm. um doing ballet classes and doing an interview to be a ballet teacher when I hadn't done any ballet in about 10 years was really interesting um it was good to like to see how much you can kind of blag things sometimes <laughs> and then just like look it all up afterwards um so that was good for me to realize that I can get along I can get along the world without the jello if I have to um but the ballet teaching was it was really good the nursery school teaching was really tiring um but the thing that was nice was having that as part of it to teaching kids to listen to music and enjoy dancing because everyone can dance <laughs> um, yeah. like that was really lovely as like my creative output kind of thing for a while um but to, teaching a nursery is a lot harder work than I thought it would be they're very sweet though usually <laughs> <laughs> so when you had started that job was it always your intention when from the time you started that you would mm. you know eventually move on to you know, playing the cello again and then hopefully starting your master's again? Or did you start there thinking, oh, maybe this is a new life for me. Maybe I want to be a dance teacher instead. Well, I I definitely will never be able to be a proper dance teacher. I think I will always just be (laughs) an assistant part-time type because I'm I'm not that good at dancing at all. But but it was was interesting to do. Um, And I think I went in with the idea that teaching in a nursery and working with very young children it wasn't just a, to pass the time thing it was to kind of explore whether that was something that I would look into doing if I couldn't play again mm. um, and that meant that when I when I was there and I was working there I felt like it gave me an opportunity to see what my life could be like doing something completely different and just how like the different types of hard work that there are in the world (laughs) if that makes sense like how amazing people are to do these like really long days and you know 
with amazing amounts of patience um because my the class that i worked in um was four years and under and just like being there to teach children things like being kind to each other and their beginnings was really it was really nice and it was really different compared to always being focused on trying to improve and perfect it was a very different place to be for mm. a while, if that yeah wow I, I just kind of now want to talk a bit about um the impact of your injury on the way that you've seen the world and first of all by asking if there's anything you'd like another person with an injury to know about how it's impacted you and what you've learned um, is, is there anything you would say to somebody? Um, I think staying hopeful is really important. When things aren't looking so good, just like trying to just focus on one step at a time and taking the slow days when they come and just like not beating yourself up because it's not your fault. It just happens, you know, it's just part of the patchwork of every, everyone's lives works out not quite how we imagine sometimes so I think just like keeping your chin up and if you're having a hard time just speaking communicating it's really important um talking to people around you and equally if you're there and you're happy to open up about things that you've found difficult if you're if you have an injury and you're having a bad day then it'd be amazing how much people around you might then open up about their difficulties which might be completely different they might not be physical challenges they could be like mental health or Mm. family or anything like if you let yourself be vulnerable around other people then sometimes you can help them in return if that makes sense I think I'd say that (laughs) no because it's it's true I suppose in the sense that a lot of the time we feel alone maybe because we put ourselves in a box of maybe how much we suffer in comparison to others. But I think every life will have, you know, maybe not the same kinds of adversity, but definitely everyone will have suffered or will suffer on a level at which they can understand how it feels to feel broken, how it feels to feel like things at the end of the world. Everyone's cried. Yeah. And I think sometimes I've found in music profession that uh when I've opened up to people it uh older people I don't know I don't know why but sometimes it's felt like they found it a bit awkward or embarrassing I don't know whether that's because most of my problems have been with mental health and there's obviously still a big stigma with that Mm. um yeah I found with my peer group that was where the strength came from most of all of course I did have very supportive teachers but the strength Mm -hmm. was from the people at the same stage of life as me and who respected... It's seeing, isn't it, that you are respected as a human being for your personality and for the person you are and not the instrument you play, not the mark you get in your exam. And mm-hmm. I think you've explained that really, really well, actually. Yeah, I think sometimes, like, um, because we're a different generation to frequently our teachers, with a teacher... There's, it's a very distinctive thing, isn't it? Like, I think often there's a fear of becoming too close to pupils, like having too much of an insight into their 
mental health mm. and mental health maybe being too close to their personal life for a teacher to feel comfortable and it's yeah. sometimes that can feel like a judgment rather than a, maybe a worry from a teacher's point of view it's a good point yeah if you see what I mean like yeah. and it may come out as like a coldness maybe even but it probably isn't really meant like that but it's just that inability to communicate can sometimes be there can't it and that can fit they can that can find like can feel really difficult if you've opened up about something to your mentor kind of thing I think as well like people our age are getting a lot better at talking about these things and understanding each other a lot better maybe yeah (laughs) yeah like the like this happening like you having a podcast which like is exploring things that people feel every day often and difficulties that we've all all will have in our lives at some point most probably Mm. but just being able to talk about it is a really big step yeah and and I mean people like you having the courage to come forward and share I think is something that is really hard to do and people don't realize what it takes to be able to put something of yourself out there put your story out there you know our story is such a personal thing to us I'm just wondering, I ask ask this question a lot, actually, but if you now went back to, say, first or second year of your undergrad, Mm. and as the person you are now, and being through everything, is there anything you would have done differently? You know, is there anything that you, oh, oh, wish, oh my goodness, why on earth did I worry about that now? Like, now knowing how it's all been, and how much you've learnt through your injury and everything oh that's that's a really difficult question (laughs) I think being more calm about when things don't work or don't don't go as I'd hoped as far as performance mostly I think if if I could have felt a bit more calm and and a bit more understanding that it will be okay and well actually I think it's, it's really difficult from my perspective to think about it now because those, that kind of few years for me wasn't that easy because of my dad mm. um, passing away. And I think I wish I could say, like, just be a bit more calm about the whole thing and just doing your best is enough, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. Like, if you're, if you're even getting into a practice room for 10 minutes or, like, yes. or managing to do chain music and explore chain music, with people instead of your individual practice like anything you can do just to like kind of keep the ball rolling while you pick yourself up again that's such really a good great point. I yeah think. yeah I so with you there because there are days where you can't face being alone in a mm-hmm. practice room it is it's a you know if you recontextualize it anyone being alone in a room sometimes can be quite an emotional space you know and we do expect of ourselves to be in that situation so often and when you're going through a hard time all those emotions are amplified and I think that's so lovely to say you know you can let yourself off and do it differently be with friends play with friends play in a different context yeah like the focus doesn't have to be always about the individual ability at that point like our own, own individual ability if you're having a really hard time with mental health or physical injuries then you can find your way through on a different path which is okay because no one's like none of the amazing musicians we see they probably all had those days as well and it's just finding your way through them 
and communicate like playing with others is just such a gift that sounds very cliche but it really is yeah. like communicating with other people um it's just amazing and it can it can really give you a lift and similarly even if something like what happened to you happens people aren't only there for you in a musical context you know you yeah. you aren't only Absolutely. Laura in a piano trio you're also you know your friends are I'm, I'm sure you know for everybody your close friends whether you play with them or not mm. um are there for you and I yeah I think I've had a hard time realizing that as well actually mm-hmm. yeah because you want yeah, to see the best side kind of yeah exactly I, I think everybody is going to be just so inspired and touched by your story because, I mean, the two things together of dealing with, first of all, grief and then dealing almost with another type of grief is, to me, just really in, intensely uh, emotional to think about. And I don't know, were, were they similar in any way? Was it a similar kind of grief? One for your cello, one for your, for your dad? Well, I think it it was similar in a way as far as something that I loved wasn't there anymore mm. and compared to someone. So it's, I think I hadn't realised how much playing had really like guided me through my grief from my dad dying. I yeah. think I hadn't really realised how that focus in my life had really like pulled me through. So then having that taken away, I was kind of like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just yeah. beyond a joke. Um, like kind of feeling like I'd got, got myself back on track after, after working through yeah, some yeah. of that. But at the same time, it maybe was, it made me realise just like people are so much more important. Obviously, it sounds obvious, but it's just the person missing someone who you love is just so much more you, and it, the fact that you can't see it in someone's in someone's like physicalness you can't see what they're going through like if they've lost someone or if they're having a really you know mm. really bad difficulty with mental health you can't see it physically and the help that I've had has been amazing because of it being easier for people to almost deal with um yeah okay yeah. it's very it's like you can see I have a non-functioning arm if you see what I mean Mm. I think institutions find it harder to support people with mental health than with physical health yes my dad dying is just so much it's just was like a huge a huge huge thing to happen and this was really big as well but this kind of wasn't as big um at all and Mm. this has got a lot of hope involved in it being physically injured compared to losing someone you love and I think that distinction isn't necessarily supported like we're supported in the same way for very different things often by institutions because if you can write it down on a piece of paper and like I've got so like I've had so much support from the hospital and doctors and I just feel like I have a whole team of people who are behind me like kind of wishing me to do well which is amazing but I think that type of support is really hard to find when you're feeling bad about losing people or... Yeah. It's, Do you see what I mean? I don't yeah, know yeah, because I think people don't know how to go there with exactly. with, with grief. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how can you start talking about it, I suppose, is for a lot of people, 
a very difficult thing to be able to do because everyone is faced with it at some point but I suppose not many people are faced with it at the age of 20 you know so yes it is yeah it's an unusual one (laughs) yeah but when really hard it's hard yeah but I think it's a similar thing that if I when the times I did manage to open up about how I felt which was a lot less after my dad died um than now again like people really you don't know what people are going through in their everyday lives you really don't and then being vulnerable and being able to speak about things can make a huge difference to them as well as you it doesn't have to feel like a selfish thing do you yeah. know what I mean? yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's true. Giving someone the space to help you, I suppose, or yes, be there for yes, you, yeah, yeah, can mean a lot to them as well. And I think we underestimate the power that allowing someone in can have. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I kind of <coughs> want to end it there because I think that's just so so lovely. Yeah. And you've given yeah. us just so much amazing inspiration. And thank you so much for everything um, and for opening up in the way you have. Well, thank you for speaking to me. It's been it's been nice to chat.